You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Parents are international spies. Good ones. But they've been mostly inactive for the last nine years. What are you talking about? I was assigned to protect your family, but something's gone wrong. I have to take you to the safe house. My parents can't be spies. They're not cool enough. Everybody, my name is Zach. I'm Brandon, and you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damned, the show where we take some of your favorite movies you saw growing up, the ones you're nostalgic about, and we watch them objectively without the rose-colored glasses. Let you know: Are these movies any good, or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watch 2001's action adventure family comedy, Spy Kids. And Brandon, just yes or no? Uh, were you nostalgic about this movie? No, 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 I wasn't. Me neither. Well, uh, what are we doing? Begs the question why we did this. Yeah, but uh, we have had several requests, I believe, over the years to do this movie. Um, and I think it was pretty popular, not only at the box office, but also just among 90s kids in general. But you and I, not fond memories. No, uh, I saw this movie in theaters um, when it came out. I think I just went with my family, and uh, that was the last time I ever saw it until today. <laughs> Uh, the only other Spy Kids movie I've ever seen, because there's like, I don't know, you'll I'm sure you'll talk about this. I'm sh- there's like five of them or something like that. <laughs> I've only seen Spy Kids 3D, Brandon, which is the third wow. one, and I saw it in 3D in theaters. That's pretty fucking cool, because that was 2003. That was before the Avatar like boom again of the 3D. That was before it got popular again. That so. was back a- when the 3D glasses were red and blue yeah and i went because it was like time we saw a movie for your younger sister and that's where we ended up being i think i saw this once on uh rental uh home video and never watched it again i remember being at a slumber party specifically and it being a a point of like let's watch spy kids and me being like no i don't (laughs) i don't want to do that and then it being like oh well i don't remember what we watched that night but i can promise you it wasn't spy kids (laughs) So you were the wet blanket of that slumber party because you didn't want to watch Spy Kids. I was, and for the rest of middle school career, everyone just called me Spy Kid as like a as a burn. You know what I mean? Sure. They bullied yeah. me in the hallways. It makes sense. Well, that's what I'll be calling you the rest of the episode. So <laughs> exactly, that's what's led to the man you see before you. Fucking nerdy Spy Kid. <laughs> However, I am a big fan of the director of this movie, Robert Rodriguez, because. In the early 90s, you got him and like Tarantino, Richard Linklater, Kevin Smith. These guys were really credited for the rise of independent filmmaking uh, in the early 90s. And so instantly recognizable style. He began his career in 1992 with El Mariachi, followed by its sequel Desperado in 95. He directed a segment in four rooms and then followed that up with a couple of horror movies that would be perfect for this show, From Dust Till Dawn and The Faculty. Ooh, well, I don't know about The Faculty, but Dust Till Dawn, stay tuned. <laughs> This was his first family film and was kind of, I mean, just out of the blue for a lot of fans of his. It just seems strange to follow those movies up with Spy Kids. But he would go on to direct three sequels to it, as well as a couple of other kids' films, including The Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Do you remember this, dude? I do, um, but I correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that was part of the Spy Kids saga. No? No. Completely nope, different, it's its huh? own thing, dude, yep. And Interesting. And it introduced the world to Taylor Lautner, thank God. Oh, thank God, because we needed it. 
He also did a movie called Shorts, I believe in 2009, maybe 2010, that's also in the vein of this movie where it's CGI heavy, kind of crazy, low budgeted, but fucking insane family fare. But before those, he finished up his El Mariachi trilogy with Once Upon a Time in Mexico. He also did Sin City. Then he directed the first half of Grindhouse, the Planet Terror half, which I think when it came out, I, I much preferred to Death Proof. But in my, you know, upon revisiting, I think Death Proof actually might be the movie I uh, go back to or, or revisit from Grindhouse more often. I can see why you connect with this director. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And then finally, Planet Terror, of course, spawned another franchise of his, Machete and Machete Kills, with the incomparable Danny Trejo. And uh, his most recent film was Alita Battle Angel, released just in uh, last year, 2019. I actually wanted to see that Battle Angel movie. Um, I'm, I'm curious, was the Machete movie based on Danny Trejo's character in Spy Kids? So this is hilarious, because I guess they have contradicting... <laughs> stories regarding this because again Danny Trejo will show up in this movie as a character named Machete. Danny Trejo says this is this is what Mach Uncle Machete's doing when he's not like babysitting the kids. He's out killing uh politicians and stuff in Machete. Cuz I've seen <laughs> I've seen Machete and I you know what it's a guilty pleasure movie. Um, a blast. That makes it so much I saw it when Machete appears in this movie. I was like there's no way that <laughs> connects, right? And that's awesome that it does. Yeah. Uh, now, Rodriguez claims that they're both just the same character that take place in alternate universes. So, Trejo is the same timeline. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We're going to... Well, that's how it is. He just has to say that from uh, because of... You Legal know, reasons. Yeah. I, I also have to mention, Zach, that he does have one more movie in his filmography called 100 Years. Now, you and I won't be able to see this because despite it being completed in 2015, no one will be able to see it until 2115. All we do know is that it's a feature-length film and, of course, stars the only actor you'd ever want to see 100 years from now, John Malkovich. <laughs> what? Yeah, I know. Doesn't that piss you off that not only is there a movie that you'll never be able to see, but it stars John Malkovich? I mean, yeah, it does piss me off. Yeah, But you know what? Like, we can do everything. That movie sucks. <laughs> yeah, we can do everything in our power to see it. That movie's going to end up sucking. So you know what? Like, I, it bothers me, the completionist in me is like, I really wish I could see that movie, but, you know, the other part of me is like, he's going to make us wait 100 years and that movie's going to be fucking garbage, just you wait. <laughs> Man, though, if there is one person I want to represent humanity, it's Cyrus the Virus. <laughs> yeah, if 100 years from now people are like, who's this John Malkovich guy? <laughs> That won't be a problem. Everyone will remember yeah, who, that, that who John Malkovich, Malkovich is going to carry on a hundred years from now. Well, he is in the streaming service now with uh, yeah, Space Force. I buy it, so, dude. You know who knows. So Spy Kids has a five point five on IMDb and an astoundingly high ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. However, just about forty six percent from audiences. There, mind boggling that critics like this movie so much. Yeah, just for context, Shawshank Redemption has a ninety percent. It's ridiculous. <laughs> It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And like I saw that because I didn't look it up before I started watching the movie and halfway through I was like, "Oh my god, I want to see what people are saying about this movie." 96 on Rotten Tomatoes. What the fuck? Dude, was it reviewed by four people and like No, that's certified fresh, my friend. 93% uh, certified oh fresh. 93, excuse me. Yeah, still. Yeah, and this was a a hit in two thousand one. It cost thirty five million to make. It earned one hundred and twelve million in the states, one hundred and forty seven million worldwide. Ranked seventeenth on the U S. box office charts that year. In terms of movies we've covered from two thousand one, it earned less than Harry P. and the Sorcerer's S, Shrek, 
Jurassic Park 3, Planet of the Apes, and The Fast and the Furious, but it did out-earn Cats and Dogs, A Knight's Tale, Zoolander, and Osmosis Jones. Kind of mind-boggling with the amount of special effects in this movie that it only cost $35 million. Yes, dude. I mean, he is a master at being proficient and cost-efficient. The guy knows his way around a green screen. (laughs) Well, I think we can get into that. That we will. That we will. Uh, it opened theatrically March 30th, 2001, earned $26 million its first weekend. It held the number one spot for three weeks in a row before being toppled by the second weekend earnings of Bridget Jones's Diary. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. The second week, huh? <laughs> Bummer. Spy Kids, of course. Not the only kid spy movie or series released within the confines of the show, either. We were obsessed with children's spies around this time, and I just want to give you a taste in no particular order of some other movies. Harriet the Spy, remember that one? Dude, I actually was going to suggest we do Harriet the Spy eventually I think on that's this a, show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we will, we will. The Disney Channel original movie, Get a Clue, starring Lindsay Lohan. I don't know if you remember that one. Yep, I remember. Oh, I do. Okay. I, we, <laughs> we are of the same sister yep, ilk sure. here, man, that one, yeah. How about 2004's immortal classic, Catch That Kid? Yes, I remember Catch That Kid. Kristen Stewart and Corbin Blue, I think, were in that one. Yep, that's right. <laughs> I remember about... Corbin Blue, yeah. Agent Cody Banks and its sequel, Agent Cody Banks Destination London. <laughs> Never saw that one, but I did know of its existence. It It is astounding that we were trying to fit so many fucking kids into spy movies, man. Not to mention ones that were, like, very heavily based for children, like The Tuxedo, Jackie Chan's The Tuxedo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or The Pacifier. Or the Pacifier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and those movies continued. Jackie Chan even did one a decade ago called The Spy Next Door, dude. He's Jesus. still doing this shit. We just got Dave Batista in my spy. I was just about to say, because I got my, I don't know if you can see behind me, I've got my PlayStation... Oh, yeah screen brought up and the the second thing there there's two things that are up artemis fowl and amazon original my spy starring jesus Bautista nice you know as what? another spy kid for every single time i think you know what maybe kids movies have gotten better over the years <laughs> artemis fowl and fucking my spy dude Good i God. know seriously and like I, what is with these like why do we feel like we need to keep pairing professional wrestlers with children <laughs> We've done this with <laughs> Cena, with The Rock, and now Dave Bautista. Like, come on. Let's chill. So because of its success, Rodriguez banged the next two sequels out very quick as I guess, you know, they knew time was limited because spy kids are only going to be kids for so long. Then you've got spy teens on your hands and no one wants that shit. <laughs> so the first sequel came out the very next year, Spy Kids 2, Island of Lost Dreams. That one got a 5.1 on IMDb and a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Zach, you may begin to notice a pattern here. It earned $119 million worldwide. The next one, Spy Kids 3D, Game Over, which one? Ha- I think that had Sylvester Stallone, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Sty Stallone yes. was the uh, bad guy, and Elijah Wood made a cameo. Fresh off his Frodo-ness. Yeah. That one actually became the highest grossing of the lot, though, $197 million worldwide, but only has a 4.3 on IMDb and a 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's pretty bad. It's, yeah, I'd imagine so. It's it's essentially Ready Player One light. It's just about like, uh. hit, like fucking Junie playing a video game. <laughs> then he returned to the series with a new cast in 2012 with Spy Kids 4D all the time in the world. And unfortunately, like the 4D technology, which means you could probably smell farts or something halfway through the movie or whatever the hell they did. Not only the likes of that 
along with Joel McHale and everyone's favorite, Jeremy Piven, couldn't bring the love as this one's got a 3.5 on IMDb and a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Brandon and I very disappointed to find out that uh, that movie was the only Spy Kids that was streaming <laughs> commercial free. Sadly. Yeah, we had to watch this one on Tubi TV. Tubi TV. This is the only thing I've ever watched on Tubi TV. I had to download it because Brandon and I both agreed we were not going to pay $4 for this movie. <laughs> that would anger me so much. To, I, I do have to correct you. There's one other thing streaming because that didn't stop Netflix from pumping out two seasons of the animated original Spy Kids Mission oh Critical. That's right. There's a show based on this shit that started in 2018. Dude, how is this carrying over? Like, I get, I like, our generation because that's when the first one came out. But, like, you mean to tell me there are still kids who are like, oh, fuck yeah, Spy Kids animated series? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, man, it appears the love for this franchise may be fresher than we think. That Spy Kids show only has a 4.6, so I don't know if it's popular enough to warrant the coveted third season. But Oh, what? You know. Hashtag Spy Kids. <laughs> Mission critical, yeah, please. Ugh. The film was nominated for Best Fantasy Film at the Saturn Awards, but lost somehow to Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ew, what? Lost to one of the most beloved books of all time, <laughs> adapted into one of the best like fantasy movies ever? Doesn't check out. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Antonio Banderas was also nominated for a Kids' Choice Award for Best Male Action Hero. I, okay. <laughs> Wait, a Kids' Choice Award? Yeah, that's right. Kids' Choice Award. Nominated, didn't Was win. this... Was, oh, what? Who'd he lose to? Oh, fuck, dude. I don't have that information. What are you doing? I, I know, dude. I know, dude. I'm so sorry. Come on. You're, you're our resident... Oh. You're our resident kid Choice Award expert. Brandon. I'm sorry, dude. Yeah. I can't do everything. Uh, I'm going to get slimed. Yeah, I'm going to get slimed when I walk in. Yeah, you're about to get fucking slimed, dude. Uh, Carla Gugino took on the role of the mother when Kelly Preston, I guess, became unavailable, having just given birth. I think she's a better choice for this role, uh, in my opinion. However, she was reluctant to accept the role of Ingrid Cortez as she felt she was too young. She was only 29 when they shot this, and she thought she was just too young to have an 8-year-old and a 12-year-old. But Robert Rodriguez was like, hey, listen, my mom had all of our siblings about the time she was 30, so... And they're similar ages as the kids in the movie, so she agreed to do it. Our boy uh, Roger Ebert gave it three and a half out of four stars, Zach. He called it a treasure. He wrote, quote, Movies like Spy Kids are so rare. Families are often reduced to attending scatological dumber and dumbest movies like C-Spot Run, <laughs> movies that teach vulgarity as a value. Spy Kids is an intelligent, upbeat, happy movie that is not about the comedy of embarrassment, that does not have anybody rolling around in dog poop, that would rather find out what it can accomplish than what it can get away with. Dude, why is everybody dick riding this movie? Everyone loved Spy Kids. Will we stay the fuck tuned? Because here we go. Stay the fuck tuned. Spy Kids was rated PG by the MPAA for action sequences, Zach, so buckle the fuck up. Yeah, here we go. So just to start this off, by the way, Tubi TV, I gotta say, first movie I ever saw in there, a lot of detergent ads, but pretty decent presentation. I might use this service more often. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I'm I kept the app once the movies. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're Tubi TV. There's a lot guys of now. like decent movies on it. I'm like, eh. <laughs> brought to you by Tubi TV. Give us money. <laughs> we're hit with the Dimension Films logo, which right off the top is so associated in my mind with like Scream and all these horror, '90s horror movies that I'm already thrown off a bit. But I'm reeled back in when we get another movie that begins with a sweeping shot of the ocean as the title appears. Uh, one of the other production companies of this, too, was, uh, wh what was the... Troublemaker. Troublemaker. That's Robert Rodriguez's. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. That's his studio there. That one I always stuck out with me for some reason. Speaking of logos, the logo of this movie, the title when it appears on screen, it looks like it's just a generic, bold title outline. It just, it looks something like he just did like right on Windows, Microsoft. It struck out like, that looks weird to me. It definitely sets a weird graphical tone for this movie considering <laughs> what we get in the next 90 minutes we're introduced to our heroes our titular spy kids 12 year old carmen and nine-year-old juni played by alexa vega and daryl sabara daryl sabara went on to uh kind of fallen with the rob zombie eli roth crowd he's been in a few like he was the first kid technically michael myers ever killed in that universe of rob zombie series and uh that's right he gets the shit kicked out of him with the log so check that out if you're ever want to watch Daryl Sabara in pain. He also gets eaten uh, by cannibals in the Green Inferno. I just, you're just listening off a bunch of shit that I've either never seen or don't care about. <laughs> well, I think that pain is deserved because he went on to marry Megan Trainer. Do you remember her? Do you know Megan Trainer, that Bob yes, artist? Yes, I know Megan Trainer. Alexa Vega, on the other hand, I haven't actually seen uh, in too many other movies after this. I think she was in Repo, the Genetic Opera, and she's still a working actress. She's got tons of credits. I just haven't seen much of what she's been in, so... She's looking out her window, longingly at the world she knows so little about, and their mom comes in. This is Ingrid, as we mentioned before. This is the Cortez family. She's played by Carla Gugino. And despite Carmen growing up, she's not too old for a bedtime story. She wants to hear the one about the two spies that fell in love. I don't know about you, Zach, but I suspect this story might be the story of how their parents fell in love. Yeah, think about it. Uh, it could be that her mother uh, starts telling this story and we're immediately flashback to her mother. <laughs> We do it, dude. Yeah, let's listen in, because we cut back to Ingrid in a sexy disguise in an airport tracking hunky Gregorio Cortez, played by Zorro himself, Antonio Banderas. Let's get this right out of the way. This couple is hot. Oh, my God. They're, they're an attractive group of people, if we're being honest with each other. A sexually active couple, and we're just going to be upfront up and frank about that, and these kids need to understand that their parents... Probably enjoy some sexual activity from time to time. Let's just say this. I can't believe there's only two of those kids. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, they, there's some restraint in that family for sure. Yeah, how are these people not having sex <laughs> all the time? <laughs> but, you know, the moment she's telling the story, the moment it finally came for her to execute because she's a lady spy, he's a male spy. It's basically Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and they stare each other down as the elevator doors open and close. She was his target, he was hers, and they begin to date, ultimately beginning the most dangerous mission of all, marriage. <laughs> the way this mother is talking to her daughter about this, like, oh, they set off on the most dangerous mission of all, marriage. And then they had one of the greatest gifts of life, children. <laughs> it's like, okay, blow it out your ass. You're telling a bedtime story. At the ceremony, they nearly get taken out. They're chased by fucking Blackhawk choppers and some garbage CGI. Oh, dude, I, I'm so glad we finally get our first CGI in this movie because let me tell you something. I've been wanting to say this. Like, I wanted to open the podcast with this. The CGI does not hold up in this fucking movie. It looks like, honestly, I feel like I'm looking at garbage in this whole movie. <laughs> It is some of the worst that we'll, you'll see, I think, in a mainstream movie. Which, even back when it came out, I didn't think it looked that good. I mean, we were spoiled, though. We had a, we had a lot of movies that had pretty decent special effects growing up. Yeah. So, for when I saw this, it looked like a made-for-TV movie. It just doesn't really look good at all. 
Yeah, it feels kind of Disney Channel movie-esque, but I think that's almost the whole style this franchise came to be known for, that weird, campy, they don't even try to make it look real, you know what I mean? So I, I think this became kind of a, an aesthetic that people grew to like, which is gross and sad to me. <laughs> that's why we have that movie Speed Racer, probably. But Yeah, I don't understand it, but okay. But we come to find out that those spies had kids exchanging one life of mystery for another, and Carmen isn't too thrilled with the ending to this story or the fact that she has to share a bedroom with her brother in this palatial cliffside mansion for um it's overlooking the ocean beautiful beautiful place i kept wondering why she doesn't have her own room but then we find out in the next scene that he's a fucking loser and just needs someone around him at all times can't be alone so she has to sleep in the room with this juni kid yuck dude number one seed for one of the worst <laughs> kid protagonists ever he's the worst i hate juni i hate juni and the fact that he's, like, the big part of Spy Kids 3D, man. Oh, my gosh. This kid, actually, now that I'm remembering it, dude, he's the little kid in the Polar Express, too, as well. I don't care, dude. He sucks. <laughs> Stay tuned. No. Stop trying uh. to push the Polar Express on me. I don't want to do it. We, we have so many Christmas movies we can do for the show. We'll get to it eventually. Oh, shit. Until I end the podcast forever. (laughs) Wait, no, Zach, no, please don't do it. The couple, they now work for the Organization of Super Spies, the OSS. They're doing desk work. They're just consultants, and they've never told their kids about their former spy lives. And their office here at their house has this, I had to bring this up because it's so stupid. It's this track that the chair is on that moves them from one desk to the other, just forward and backwards. It doesn't go through the house. It doesn't move side to side. All you can do with this track is move from one desk to the other desk, just so that you can be like a super spy, stupid. It's, it's how much money went into something that, that really does nothing to improve or have any effect at all. You know what I mean? You can walk that fast. Dude, uh, there's a lot of questions I have about some of the gadgets in this movie. <laughs> it's such a stupid, yeah, gadgets and gizmos. Some of them are dumb. But now that we know that that story is just the way they met, it kind of makes the story seem a little perverse in retrospect. Because it's kind of like, it'd be like James Bond going home and telling his kids the story of some spy guy who's got his balls smashed by Matt Mickelson. <laughs> it, it's true. It's like... If James Bond had a kid and like went back and was like, I used to fuck on missions all the time. It was like my. Th- I mean, I didn't. Uh, some spy guy. Yeah, there was some a spy, spy guy, guy used 007. to. Fu- yeah, the, in 007, he fucked every chick he met. <laughs> it didn't matter if she was a good guy or a bad guy. He fucked them all. But that wasn't me. Why that are you was- telling me this, Dad? Shh, you need to know this. <laughs> Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Yeah, pretty deceitful, if you ask me. Yeah. But. The kid's kind of dumb because they've never questioned the fact why they have to wake up every morning and go through this goddamn jungle gym course. Why are our parents making us do spy training stuff? Whatever, they're nerds. This whole thing of them, like, constantly trying to make it out that their parents aren't fucking gorgeous models that could probably do anything. But no, they're like, our parents are so lame. He, yeah, he, they, they always talk about, like, oh, our parents are just boring nobodies. Uh, you live on a cliffside villa. <laughs> idiots with like a massive jungle gym oh fuck this i don't understand this like there's a point that we're coming up on i'm sure we'll cover in a second where he where junie acts like disappointed in his father he's like uh my father's such a weak your father's antonio banderas shut the fuck up little brat i hate that kid i hate this movie it's classic, you know, kid movie fashion. They're both straight up assholes because in this car ride to school in the morning, Junie is mimicking Carmen. Eerily so, is this a superpower? Dude, I have no fucking... 
they don't address it. They, they don't, don't address, address it. it. And it's it's he mimics them with the same voice as in the the actress is like dubbing over the voice with him moving his lips. It just no, it it's real incredible shit. Yeah, and they just like the way I took it. I was like, I guess that's a spy trait that gets passed down. <laughs> She's like, well, you know, two spies fucking have a kid. They're, one of them's going to have a super spy power, like mimicking people's voices. You never know when that's going to be, yep. when that's going to come in handy. I'm sure it won't come into play later. It's a real pistachio disguise uh, <laughs> right? Right? Master of Disguise Act, remember that? Yeah, Brandon. Um, I haven't seen Master of Disguise in a really, really long time. I know you saw it like a couple months ago. but <laughs> Free will, too, yeah. I don't need, yeah. Without being forced to, you weren't even doing it for the podcast. You just watched the Master of Disguise. I don't need you bringing it up on this show. Stop trying to get me to watch Master of Disguise. I'm not going to watch Master of Disguise, Brandon. I'm not going to do it. Well, the only thing more impressive than this kid's mimicking ability, dude, they've got a screen in the car. They're watching TV in the car. And that was probably what I thought as a kid the most impressive thing about this. all of these gadgets and gizmos. Like, you can watch a fucking TV show in a moving vehicle, dude? Big deal at the time, dude. Big deal at the time. Uh, let's talk about the show. It's apparently Junie's favorite show, and it is this bizarre lawnmower man CGI nightmare starring Fegan Floop, played by Alan Cummings. Who I... Let's <laughs> feel, I, I gotta get it out there. For like the first <laughs> 10 minutes I was staring at him, I was like, is that Pee Wee Herman? <laughs> yep, very I thought it was very weird that they were just like taking Pee Wee Herman and like making it like LSD induced. Pee Wee Herman's weird enough. Um, and he jerked off in a movie theater. So <laughs> uh, that it was all weird. But then I realized it wasn't Pee Wee Herman. So it's still no. bizarre. But yeah, this is bizarre. Son of the Masks, Alan Cummings. Thanks. <laughs> That's, oh where you wanna, that's where you want to give him the credit, huh? <laughs> I'm Son so of the sorry. Mask. <laughs> sorry, Alan. You yeah, really, really took sorry. the piss out of you today, buddy. I'm sorry. You're, great. You're a good actor. Uh, I do enjoy him. Yeah, he, yeah. So he's got all these thumb thumbs. We come to find out are robots whose arms, legs, and heads resembled oversized thumbs. Don't know why you would do that. <laughs> I have an idea, and we'll get to it in just a sec. We'll get to it in just a sec. Okay. Anyway, earlier that morning... Gregorio received a fax about a missing agent, and he suspects this floop guy has something to do with it, because I guess the agent vaguely resembles this Teletubby monstrosity on TV. I don't know how the fuck he made this connection. <laughs> just don't get it. Comes out of absolutely nowhere. He's just holding up a picture of the, the agent who's played by fucking Mike Judge, Beavis and Butthead creator, out of nowhere. It's like, okay. Uh yeah, don't know why Mike Judge is in this movie either. <laughs> This is just the pile on the list of things that I'm just like, why, 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 why? But he makes the connection and thinks Floop is behind it. And then he's picked on when he drops the kids off. He has this fantasy about killing this adult bully, but he doesn't. I thought for a second that's where the movie was, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I thought this was happening. That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Because he throws this guy yeah. in through a window that's, I mean, yards away. <laughs> And the kids immediately start celebrating, and he has this fantasy that he's like, I finally connected with my son. Because, Brandon, I don't know if you picked up on this, they are distanced from each other. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, even though he works at home. I Well, but, yeah. But he doesn't understand. His head's always in the clouds, Brandon. Unfortunately, he doesn't do any of that. He walks away like a little bitch, and Junie sees this, and yeah, that's where he gets all sad and wishes he could go to Floop's world. Cut to... 
I wish I had a better dad than the super rich one that lives on a cliffside mansion. <laughs> hey, maybe not be such a bitch. <laughs> also, we didn't we never brought this up because I don't think it was worth mentioning. Uh Junie has warts all over his fucking hands because he's such a little bitch and sweats <laughs> profusely. Yeah, he's scared of everything and that's how he gets warts. Smelly, stinky hand warts. Not we're not making that up. That's a real thing in this movie. Yeah, and it's a shame, you know what I mean? But, you know, stop being a fucking scaredy cat all the time. Real yeah. nerd in need of bashing. Oh, God. He, this kid needs bashing. And he doesn't get bashed <sighs> in this entire movie. Not a single fart either. But a poop joke. Just want to bring One that up poop now. joke. We do get One a poop, poop joke. joke. Yeah, that's like a half a fart. Yeah, half a fart. The, yeah, this. not a full fart joke, which, you know, point off for that. And we did get a pee joke. But that's like... A third uh, of a fart joke. Yeah. So if honestly, we'll if so anything, we've had like two thirds of a a point seven five. Yeah, two thirds yeah. of a fart yeah. joke, which means we t- uh, automatically on the fart index. Yeah, automatically on nostalgia be damned. We take that down by twenty Rotten Tomatoes scores. So if this movie started at a hundred, it's already at an eighty, just because we don't get a full on yeah. poop joke or fart joke. Excuse me. Yeah, more harsh on last week's Balto that had a. A zero, a big old fat goose egg on the old fart meter index. Yeah, not a single, not a single wolf fart joke in that movie. <laughs> oh, what does this show become? Uh, we do not have a lot to talk about on this <laughs> I know, I know. episode. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we cut to this fucking Tim Burton esque impossible structure, like castle that's on top of this stalactite rock in the middle of the ocean. What? It's nuts, dude. This whole movie feels like Burton doing like some weirder drugs than he's used to this whole movie (laughs) it really does i didn't expect this to be as bizarre as this film gets no it's i mean this movie is fucking wild it really is yeah and so we meet floop and his right hand man alexander minion played by monk tony shalhoub i can't lie i was pumped to see tony shalhoub (laughs) it's jungle out there Ugh. Uh, we also see uh, fucking robert patrick always a welcome sight he's playing mr lisp here and uh, they're having a conversation about the missing secret agents who I guess have gone through some sort of brainwashing and memory wipe procedure that turned their brain to goo. So now they're just used as novelty creatures on Floop's children's show. And they're these bizarre, I, I don't even really know how to describe them. It's like body horror Cronenberg shit. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. It's it's like Willy Wonka if like he did experiments on the Oompa Loompas. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's really dark. This genius slash TV, children's TV host is trying to build an army for some rich dude for who knows what reason. Uh, I don't know if that's ever explained why he needs an army. Uh, shady government, uh, you know, do you, this you get it? genius slash children's TV host is kidnapping spies to make an army for a random person but when it doesn't work out he just uses them in his kid show this is exact this is the plot of spy kids we're not exaggerating we're not making this up this is what is happening in spy kids so we mentioned the thumb thumbs and this is where i think the entire thing derives from the thumb thumbs come in and we find out they kind of suck as robots because something's like tossed at them and they drop it and one of the because they're all thumbs that's it yeah they're useless and robert factor's like they're all thumbs and do you think the entire creation of these characters was because of this one joke or was it was like one, one of them sitting around like what if what if he really was all thumbs all thumbs 
I know that that is absolutely what happened. Like just to justify that one joke, they put all of their fucking money into these <laughs> thumb-based characters. Like I, I, I genuinely, genuinely need to know what drugs have to be taken to get to a level where you were writing this movie. Like Brandon. You and I have spent many times together, inebriated, coming up with some weird shit. Yeah. That's, and, you know, maybe waking up the next morning and thinking maybe twice about it. It's like this person never woke up. They <laughs> just, just kept writing and writing. Just kept writing and writing. <laughs> and was like, yeah, this is the script. Go for it. Because he also introduces his latest creation, which are spy kids, these robot children. One of them looks just like Mr. Lisp's son, and one looks like the president's daughter because he actually wishes to replace the world leader's children with these super strong robots to control the world. This is all in the first 15 minutes. I paused it. All of this information we've told you, first 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we're like 30 minutes into the podcast, and we like... It's all downhill from here. Don't get us wrong. Like it doesn't. There's really nothing else that goes on. But like, it's a jarring first couple of minutes of this movie. <laughs> so meanwhile, Gregorio has accepted a mission to find out what's going on with these missing agents. Ingrid wants in, so she seduces him. Essentially, convinces him to bring her along as well on this mission. So the children are left in the care of their uncle Felix, Cheech Marin. <laughs> of course. Hopefully he I wish we had back. more cheese. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully yeah. he is longer in this movie, Brandon. It's a real shame. The parents head out in their spy car that turns into a submarine, and just before they hit the water, this lady on the screen who's giving them like instructions notices Gregorio, and she's like, oh, hey, Greg. And then the wife has to clear her throat and be like, I'm here too. Dude. Gregorio and that girl definitely fucked. Oh, of course they fucked. You kidding me? Look at him. He fucked yeah. everybody. It makes sense. Man, woman, it didn't matter. He was a super spy. He fucked anything that moved. Unfortunately, they're being tailed underwater and ultimately captured. Cut to the kids eating floops. It's clearly a floop-inspired cereal, in case you were wondering. How like popular is this show, by the way? Who would want to watch it? It's just him saying bizarre, singing bizarre songs with these fucking nightmare creatures behind him on a green screen. He also goes on to admit later on in the movie that the show's not even that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he he even is like, there's something missing on this show. Like, I know there's, that there's just something fucked up about this show. It's like, yeah, it's confusing and weird and doesn't make any sense. And honestly, like, it feels like you're just super high. <laughs> In, the, in the, the middle of breakfast, an alarm goes off. That puts Felix into protector mode. He rips off his fake mustache and tells the kids not only that he's not their uncle, but their parents are hot spies who are definitely very sexually active. I mean, they've had sex. <laughs> we get it. If this man, who I've always thought was my uncle, ripped off his mustache, that wouldn't be enough to convince me that he wasn't related to me. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, picture this, Brandon. You have an uncle. He's got a mustache. And one day, unsolicited, he just rips off the mustache. Are you immediately just like, we're not related? No, it's it's more like, why were you wearing a fake mustache? Like, I'm not going to identify you without this mustache man who I've known from birth. <laughs> like, that's, that's not the reveal there. I don't know. Just 
I don't understand this movie, man. I just don't get it. No, I don't. I mean, it. I would have questions. Let's be honest. I would have questions. Yeah, for even further than like why you chose. Is that real? Has it always been fake? Yeah, many questions are gonna follow. Who are but- you protecting here? Again, like they're kids. <laughs> <laughs> they're kids. Like and and like mustache or not, like my facial hair changes all the time. <laughs> Yeah, but you've never ripped it off in an instant, have you? No, but like if I shave tomorrow, Brandon, you would know who I I'm am. I'm not going to know. No, you're no longer my friend. I won't recognize you. That's how it works, dude. It all hinges on your beard. Yeah. That's the that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> that if would I shave tomorrow? Be okay. the end of the, Wait, where are you going for a razor now, Zach? Zach? What? The kids end up in a safe room. Felix is captured by Thumb Thumb Ninjas. Ah. <laughs> Sounds so stupid to say. Uh, but they escape in this boat pod thing that shoots them outside and into the ocean. And because they're asshole kids, of course, they're arguing over the controls. They disengage the autopilot, which results in a shit ton of property damage. Uh, and yeah, they get away from the thumb thumb ninjas just in the nick of time. I'm going to try and say that as many times as I possibly can. Uh, but this whole this whole scene looks kind of shitty. There's obviously sh- stuff that they shot for real, like the boats in the water. And then every time they cut to the kids and this little ball that they're riding on, <laughs> it looks like garbage. They also dive underneath a landmass that just conveniently has a hole shaped the size of the boat. Sweet, dude. Oh, we are so going to be late for school. Oh, yeah, I had to get that line in there, just in case you forgot that these spies, they're kids, <laughs> So they realize after the autopilot is engaged again that they're headed to a safe house. This is where we get the now flushing your poop joke. Yeah. It's not, rolling. Good, yeah. not, it's even, not a even a good one, joke. but we'll, you know, we're going to give it the point seven five. We'll, we'll allow it. Yeah, it happened. <sighs> but they arrive at the safe house and they have to use their full name to get in is this a safe house looks more like an outhouse (laughs) it's a fucking gorgeous yeah it's a fucking gorgeous building by the way (laughs) (laughs) again these privileged bricks yeah, I fucking hate these kids. <laughs> um, we get a McDonald's plug here. Two Big oh, Macs, a large fry. Ever. They heat up well, some food. I definitely had a Spy Kids toy from McDonald's. I was going to say, this must have been, right? Yeah. yeah. I yeah. definitely had at least one. But uh, I wanted some when I saw this. Dude, honestly, that really fucking McDonald's meal looked so It looked so, so good. <laughs> good. It looked amazing. <laughs> I mean, I might uh. get McDonald's tomorrow, man. It's, <laughs> it looked really, really good. Cut to their sexy parents escaping. There's a fun little bit involving a puzzle piece, green screen floor trick, huh? Don't understand. That they call back to later on it. Yeah. They inexplicably decide to enter a space marked virtual room with like carnival ride signage. Why would you go in? They're trying to escape. I don't know why. They're, let's let's go in here. Like there are hallways everywhere. What are you doing? Yeah. Why don't we? Why don't we explore <laughs> exactly. while we escape? Don't do this. How about you've confirmed everything? Escape and bring an army back. <laughs> We get this terrible green screen demo thing where the two of them fall eventually and onto Floop's table. They find out that the missing spies were part of an OSS team 12 years ago looking to create artificial intelligence. Never a good idea. That became the third brain. Ingrid knows nothing about this, but Gregorio claims he destroyed the brain years ago. Felix is unfortunately turned into one of those weird-ass monster things after he's lobotomized and turned into that creature via this clay face thing that somehow you can just alter and whatever the person's face will just morph into whatever's molded i don't know whether or not to give this movie credit for being as unique as it is or condemn it for being as fucking weird as it is (laughs) 
that should ultimately be the critic quote on the back of the VHS box. Exactly. <laughs> I really am lost because I wish more movies thought like this movie does, but maybe just ground it a little bit more. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. 100%. So back at the safe house, Carmen and Junie are visited by Ms. Gradenko, who claims she works for the OSS, played by desperate housewife Terry Hatcher. I forgot she was in this movie altogether. This whole character. Yeah. All this shit. Crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I completely forgot about this, but even forgetting about it, you know immediately that this woman is not on the up and up. Exactly. Yeah. She gives Carmen a bracelet as, you know, a sign of trust, asks about the third brain. Carmen really doesn't know anything, so she orders the house to sort of be dismantled, and that's when Junie sees those fucking ninja thumbs outside destroying the submarine. Thumb thumb ninjas, dude. Get it right. Thumb thumb ninjas. I'm so sorry. Gradenko, Gradenko uh, finds the third brain, and a jetpack chase ensues. That third brain, by the way, just like kind of pops up out of nowhere. Yeah, it's the MacGuffin of the movie, you know. They all have one, and this one's just as stupid as most. <laughs> we do get one of those jetpacks uh, flying all around the room, beating up henchmen. <laughs> and you best believe yeah. Terry Hatcher's hair gets caught on fire. Dude, this threw me through a loop because Terry Hatcher gets a fucking jet engine shoved right <laughs> into her face. And I was like, oh, my God, they burned the shit out of, yeah. out of her. But no, her hair just catches on fire. Oh, goofy kids movie. No, man, that like... She's dead. <laughs> dead. I mean, at at best, she's dead. At worst, she has to have like a billion skin grafts to her face. <laughs> so our spy kids are flying all over the fucking place with the bad guys in tow, and they finally catch up to the guy who took the brain. They get it back. Junie catches on. There's a whole lot of, oh, brother, and hang on, Butterfingers. But it's when Carmen accidentally yeah. drops Junie that for a solid 10 seconds as he falls to earth with the camera on his face as the pavement gets closer and closer, I was about to, like, stand up and cheer, wanting this fucking head to explode onto the pavement, but she catches him nick of time. You know what? And this is where this movie fails. If only... <laughs> Yeah, I can't even get through it. When are these fucking kids movies going to take a stance <laughs> and just kill off one of the main characters? <laughs> I want to not feel safe during Spy Kids. You know what I mean? I want to be on the edge of my seat. Exactly. I At no point do I ever feel like someone's going to die in this movie. And I just, you know. Do we ever find out I what happens it. to Felix, though, by the way? Does he ever come back? All these people who have been transformed into these fucking Teletubby goop goops. Well, they do say that there's a way to reverse it. That That's true, yeah. So I guess it's So just I think you just have to assume that it, they do. So we uh, finally get to see the production of this kid show again, which is genuinely fucking terrifying. Even Floop, like you had mentioned before, not happy with it, is even asking, what does this all mean? <laughs> but I do love this bit where Monk tells Floop, hey, maybe you should pay less attention to the show and more attention to this diabolical <laughs> domination plan we've got going on. And this is, again, where the plot is just like, what? Like, so fucking weird that some guy who's, like, struggling with his art has to be told by his henchmen, like, maybe we should just focus on being, like, the antagonist of this movie. And he's like, no, <laughs> no, I just, my, our blocking's weird in the first act. I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I really want the ratings to, because they're number two. I bet they really want to be number one. Yeah, it's such a weird motivation. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't get, I, this movie's so weird. So he convinces him to send the kid robots to find Carmen and Junie to get the third brain. And they're, of course, going to transform into their basic, like, their doppelgangers, their robot counterparts. So meanwhile, in San Diablo, they discover the location finder they're using was made by Machete Products. And they have a photo of 
Isidore Machete Cortez. And yeah, Danny Trejo. Yeah. But again, there's another sibling argument. They start fucking arguing over everything. Carmen goes to get a drink, and that's when this whole fight ensues with their, you know, robot versions of themselves. Doesn't really matter because ultimately they get the third brain and fly off with rockets in their feet. Yep. That's when our spy kids realize that Floop is building an army of real spy kids. So they've got to find mom and dad's best man, the man himself, Uncle Machete. But unfortunately for us, long ago there was a falling out. He doesn't want to hear his brother's name in this shop ever again. Very reluctant to help them out. In fact, refuses to do so. So the kids actually have to steal all this shit while he's sleeping. They steal a spy plane as well? Good lord. Yeah, they steal everything. And uh, he's not even mad about it when they fly off. He's like, oh, those kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just waving them off. Uh, he, like, chases them for a second. He's like, no, don't steal it. And then they fly off. And he's like, oh. yep, they're my nephews. <laughs> and niece. We find out Gregoria was part of this whole SS project um, and that he didn't have the heart. Whoa, to, uh, OSS project. Oh, wait, what did I say? Wait, what did I, I said say? SS project. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. It's yeah, very OSS. much a Nazi super group. <laughs> Good Lord, I'm so sorry. Easy killer. Yes. I'm so sorry. An OSS project he once worked on. And uh, yeah, they were trying to create an artificial brain with all of the skills of the entire OSS, but the, scra- the project was scrapped for being too dangerous, but he couldn't kill the final prototype so he so he squished a walnut instead minion keeps wanting floop to focus on the task at hand while floop's clearly more interested in his kid show that's when the robots arrive with the third brain and minion realizes he no longer needs floop and this is where we get in a sort of kaiser soze <laughs> reveal he takes off his glasses and he combs his hair over real quick and now he's mr minion and he fucks i don't <laughs> Monk's all cool now. I mean, yeah. It. You know what? I do like this kind of twist in the plot where it's like, you know what? I'm taking over as a bad guy. You're not being a bit good enough bad guy. Just still don't understand why he takes off his glasses and like we get like a reveal. <laughs> like even like they they zoom in on Floop's face and he's like, what? It's like all he Holy did was shit. take off his glasses. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled, Zach, was convincing the world he didn't exist. You know what I mean? Fucking Cheech Marin takes off his mustache. <laughs> Monk takes off his fucking glasses, and we're supposed to react to this? Come on. At least make him take their faces off like fucking <laughs> Mission Impossible. The devil does exist, and it's Monk. Minion has different plans. He takes over. He locks Floop into the virtual room, and the kids are off to Floop's castle. Junie was supposed to read the fucking operating manual, but kind of sucks. And like me, probably can't read. So I, you know, I, I felt that personally. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty good for a kid operating yeah. a uh-huh. plane for the first time ever. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like these kids are doing fine. Yeah, exactly. They're doing fine for spy kids. But that doesn't stop his, his sister from calling him, you know, like pull up booger breath and all this stuff. And that's when he finally snaps at all this abuse. And he calls her diaper lady. And that stops all the insults for the rest of the movie. And it's never really gone into, but he just says that he swore mom he'd never tell. And she doesn't go into it. But I think we're all meant to believe that she shits her pants, right? Yeah, I think it's implied that she shits her pants and wears diapers. (laughs) Which is like, whoa. whoa. I almost want to watch the sequels to see if that's explored. Because she's 12 now. Does that go on throughout the series? I don't know. You watch Spy Kids 3D. Is there a point in that where she takes a diaper off and throws it in the audience's direction or something? The crazy 3D effects? I don't know. I I can't remember that part of it, but that feels like something I would have remembered. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, dude, 
it is implied that this little girl shits herself all the time. This preteen, she's a preteen. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. She's like, yeah. yeah, she's not super old, but she's old enough where if you're shitting your pants, it's weird. <laughs> it's a weird. It's yeah, it's either a medical issue that we shouldn't be laughing at anyway, or it's just weird. Junie's nine, and he's not doing this anymore. So yeah, what, nevertheless, that ends. Although it. this won't be the first uh, bathroom issue that we have in this movie. That's right. We get one pretty much right here because Junie crashes the sh- the plane into the water near the castle. Thankfully, I don't know how they even got that far, but whatever. And yeah. uh, they have to pass through this cave of sleeping sharks. Pretty sweet idea. And Zach, you knowing me, this is the only part of the movie I actually remembered as a kid was this fucking cave of sleeping sharks. Really cool idea. I like the idea of them having to navigate through these motionless great whites, but it looks like shit. These sharks are Dude, awful. Dude, it looks so bad. And like, wait until they open their eyes. It gets even <laughs> worse. I mean, you might as well, they might as well be swimming past like sleeping bugs bunnies yeah like it just it looks so unbelievably bad again a really cool idea i think of them having to swim in hack their entrance beneath the castle lair but you know what's not cool zach pissing in a shark's face (laughs) and that's exactly what happens brandon he can't hold his so let's explore this for a second (sighs) we just talked about how his sister probably shits herself and this kid can't hold his pee for like yeah it's a life and death situation second. and not only does he try to move away from sharks he goes directly in one and pisses and then we see the little piss vapors go into the the shark nostrils like and then he wakes up like yep. ah what's that smell yeah change the salt content of the water <laughs> <laughs> that's not my normal ph balance yeah they break in just in time and they try to find their family Carmen falls down that puzzle floor trap we saw earlier. Now it's no longer a trick, dude. It's a fucking real shoot. I don't know how she's not dead, but <laughs> she just falls. Stories. I don't understand why they why it's suddenly not a fake. It's to trick the I, audience, I think, you know, to pull uh, one over on the kids. Like, wait, what the fuck? Mom, I thought there was a glass plant there. Yeah, maybe. While the children storm the castle, Gregorio reveals to Ingrid that Minion used to work for the OSS but was fired after Gregorio reported him for tampering with the Third Brain Project. That's when we see where the Thumb Thumbs are made, which is a fucking weird, terrifying procedure. Terry Hatcher and Monk are revealed to be possible lovers at some point. I'm not sure what's going on there, but that could be cool. And uh, Junie rescues Floop, who's, uh, like we said, stuck in that fucking weird room. He helps him and Carmen release their parents. You know, th- that whole thing is so weird when he goes into that room to convince him, like, you're a good TV show host. I like your show. Yeah, man. <laughs> He's like talking to God or something like that. Again, just uh, and also just like weird use of green screen like this. It, it's like the Star Wars prequels before the Star Wars prequels, man. Just everything is green screened and it just yeah. it feels so weird. I think they mentioned that dad was turned into a Fugly, which, of course, is someone who's turned into one of these creepy, gross creatures. But because the machine turns on, but they stop it just in the nick of time. But some of the juice has gotten in, I'm assuming. But when we see him again, he's, you know, hunky, sexy Antonio Mandera. So I don't know if they reverse it. Because I know Floop mentions he can. I don't know. Or maybe he's just too sexy and like... That That could be it, honestly. Because yeah. he's got a killer stash that we also didn't mention throughout this runtime that he doesn't pull off because it's not fake. It's all real, real yeah. Banderas. Puss in Boots himself. <laughs> Isn't that, doesn't that suck that like a generation knows him as Puss in Boots? 
Yeah. It sucks that the guy is, I think, 60 years old now, and he just got his first Oscar nomination last year, I'm pretty sure. They're finally starting to consider him a talented actor. Like, what the fuck? This guy's great. Uh, he's, yeah, and he's got the fucking killer voice, man. <laughs> oh, phenomenal. Amazing. But Gregorio, he straps Minion to the Transformer machiney thingy, and he's changed into this fucking weird-ass creature it's just tony shalhoub's head with three more heads attached to his head and now he's got a high-pitched voice because chipmunks are funny and then we get our spy kids once again fighting their robot doppelgangers uh we get an oh shit hockey mushrooms which i used a lot i didn't think i didn't get it from this movie i used it before and much later too but uh one great way to get out of you know getting slapped by your parents Yep, and this was uh, I this was definitely the thing to say back when this movie came out. Everybody was saying, oh, shiitake mushrooms. Except my friends. We were saying shit. We were not great kids. <laughs> Welcome to New York. <laughs> Another good one for all the little babies out there watching who want to get away with swearing. Uh, oh, fuck. Ryan out loud. <laughs> you can take that one with you. But it's at this point that the robot Carmen calls real Junie a bunch of names and real Junie gets upset and tells him, no, Junie, you're not worthless. You're smart. You got us here. You know, tons of character arc stuff, Zach, fit right here at the end. And um, they, you know, dispatch of their robot counterparts as a family. They decide to each take on 100 child robots as the army is descending. But there's 500. We need one more. Enter freaking machete, dude. (laughs) Who, if we're to believe Danny Trejo, this is when he comes in and slaughters everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If this was the real machete, he would have sliced fucking Monk's innards open, grabbed him, and sprinted out the hallway, leapt out of the window, and used him like a you know a grappling hook. You'd think we'd get to see him do anything, Brandon, but uh, yeah, it's it's real sad. Yeah. Instead, they all just like cower in fear as the armory comes towards them, because luckily. Floop has reprogrammed the children just in time, and they attack our villains. The Cortez brothers reunite and are uh, forgiven for their past deeds. In fact, they don't even really remember why they stopped talking to each other. Is that correct? I'm pretty sure, yeah, they're like, why did we stop talking to each other? I don't know, but it does. it is implied earlier by Carmen that, like, he's an arms dealer to both sides. <laughs> like... <laughs> And that's why they stop talking to each other, because Antonio Banderas' character, you know, is a good guy. He, you know, works for, you know, he works for the OSS, who, like, is trying to make everything better. And Machete, Danny Trejo, sells, I mean, he sold all of his weapons to Floop (laughs) back when Floop was a bad guy. So it's like, so he's an international arms dealer. That's why they don't talk. Yeah. I'm surprised they forgot about that. Sure. Well, I mean, that all checks out, I guess, because the two sides could be maybe the American and Mexican border, if that character is actually Machete, the the one we know and love. So we cut to some time later, and uh, yeah, with the advice from Junie, Floop actually introduces the robot versions of Carmen and Junie on the show, because he said, you know, you need kids. You should put some kids on the show. While other robot kids, I guess, are just released into the wild performing random acts of kindness and courage. They're like saving firefighters or something. It's like, what the fuck? That's creepy and crazy. They all happen to look like dignitaries kids, too. Like the president's daughter is out there. So you mean to tell (laughs) me that like all these like important people's kids just have doppelgangers running around saving the world? No, you don't just accept that. Like these are like high profile kids. Like a lot of these kids are probably yeah. in the news. Imagine Baron Trump. I was just fucking... about to say, imagine <laughs> seeing fucking Baron Trump yanking firefighters out of rubble. It just uh, wouldn't. 
First of all, I cannot see. I was just saying, I cannot picture that. It just wouldn't happen. (laughs) Well, the family's breakfast is interrupted by Devlin, the director of the OSS. And who is this, Zach? George fucking Clooney, dude, who in a very clever bit removes the black bar from his eyes, which is kind of fun. Like, uh, but it's so weird. I guess from from dusk till dawn, like they're buddies, I guess. But it comes out of nowhere. <laughs> it is very bizarre. I I remember seeing that in the theaters at the time and being super excited. And I did, now I'm just like, oh, why? Why was I excited <laughs> about that? And uh, he has a mission for actually Carmen and Junie. Like the parents are all like, oh, where do you want us to go? And he's like, no, for your kids. And they both accept on one condition that the Cortezes work together as a family, which must really suck for Gregorio and Ingrid's pride, because now the only way they get to work is that their fucking children force their employer to allow them to tag along. Yeah, their kids fucking their kids fucking take the lead. It's like honey boy, dude. I imagine this is what a lot of child actors' parents feel like in real life sometimes. Dude, a lot of these fucking kids can't do anything without their parents' permission. Like some of them can't go on school field trips without their parents' permission. Why the fuck would we send them to do international spy missions and be like, no, no, we don't want the we don't want you parents. We want, we want Junie. We want Baron and Ivanka. Come with us. <laughs> but anyway, Carmen delivers the message of the film, basically, in its final sentence or two. And that's it, basically. Like, oh, family's the mission worth fighting for. Spy kids. <gasps> it's over. It uh, it ended. Look, I, I don't know. I cannot tell you how much I despise this as a kid. That as an adult, watching it with fresh eyes... I can applaud a lot of just like the creativity and ingenuity that went into this. Anyone with any idea of I also just how filmmaking works, I think should be kind of impressed by just the scope and set pieces and amount of special effects that they cram into this movie with a relatively small budget. And for me, that's why it all comes down to any enjoyment I have of this movie is directly because of Robert Rodriguez. Like very cost efficient, one of those DIY directors, uh, one of the best in the game when it comes to that, like really maximizing your budget. He makes this kind of work in in parts. There's a lot of weird body horror stuff that I, I found at least grotesque, if not entertaining. The score, which we didn't mention, is by Danny Elfman. It's actually pretty good. The performances by the, the adults are they're decent to good. Unfortunately, just most of my disappointment with this movie comes to my own personal feelings toward like precocious children, not enjoying them in movies, not enjoying child spy, that whole genre. I just don't really like it. Never liked it. Probably never will. Uh, Alexa Vega and Daryl Sabara for kid actors. They're as good as the script is, I guess. They never yeah. elevate it. Uh, that being said, there are some really annoying moments with them. I guess understandably so, because it's the way they're written. I don't like largely CG environment movies like this. This reminded me a lot of that fucking Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow bullshit that I just, I hate the aesthetic of this. Like, Zack Snyder, I guess, is sort of the modern version of this where everything's so CGI, but I can can kind of at least enjoy some of his movies where this is just, it it really almost hurts my eyes at some points, the amount of CGI and the ugliness of it. But it's got a good message in the end, honestly, and it's nice to see a biracial family given the spotlight in a mainstream family film, which you don't see often, especially during the early 2000s. I honestly just cringed too hard and for too long for me to give this a positive review. I think... I'll give it like a like a 45. I can't get it quite over 50 or to 60 or whatever, but I, I don't know. I enjoyed Balto a little more than this, I gotta say. 
but but ultimately, I think that this could be introduced to a kid today because you know a lot of the humor is very kid friendly. It's very childish, and I think that's ultimately what just turned me off of it. Is I don't think there's much in here for adults at all. So this was one of your favorites. Maybe you can enjoy it, but if you were like us and just couldn't remember much about it, I it's not worth a rewatch for me. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I. I, again, I mentioned this earlier. I do struggle with trying to decide if this movie is uh, very creative and unique and thinking outside of the box, or if it's just weird. And I think where it comes, where it boils down to, is that it is a kids' movie, and I think it's too weird for kids. I really do. Like, I think if you up this maybe to a PG thirteen, preferably an R, and make it for you know people like us, Brandon, people you know. People in their 20s and 30s who can appreciate sort of this bizarre, almost like SpongeBob quality of randomness and weird yeah. humor going on. I think you can have a pretty decent movie. Kind of like um, Kingsman. Exactly. A, a lot like Kingsman. That movie is very heavy CGI. There's some kind of crass humor to it and some bizarre things going on that I think could have worked really well in this movie. But again, just directing it towards kids. I, it just makes it weird and everything instead of being like kind of darkly funny or, you know, making me think, oh, wow, this was, you know, an interesting choice and I like how they're thinking differently. It just boils down to it being weird to me because it like, who are you trying to impress? It's an okay movie. I, I found it really boring. I didn't think anything enjoyable was going on. Even the action sequences, I think, were a snore. I d- it wasn't invested really at all in anything going on. Definitely not invested in the characters. I think Antonio Banderas kind of shines given, you know, what he had. He didn't have a ton to do, but when he does have something to do, he does a pretty good job. Also, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who played Floop. Uh, oh, Cummings. Yeah, Alan Cummings. Cummings, Cummings is pretty good too. Yeah. Um, Monk's but, not bad. <laughs> Monk's not bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Danny Trejo's fine. Like, again, like you mentioned, some of the Adele performances are fine, um, given the content. You know, they didn't have a ton to work with. The kids are annoying as hell. Um, and I, you know, I feel bad ripping on children and actors sometimes. But, like, they, they, you know, what are they going to do when the script is bad and the characters are bad? There's not a lot that they can do. So, yeah, man, I, I just don't see where, as an adult you can find any enjoyment out of this. I didn't. I certainly didn't. I didn't really like this at all. I just thought it was bizarre. Maybe a laugh or two out of stupidity, but other than that, just really nothing enjoyable. I think even if you did watch it, I don't think there's a lot of nostalgia, and I wouldn't show it to a kid because I don't. I think it's, I think it's a movie without an audience. <laughs> it just it doesn't really know who it's supposed to be for. So, yeah, I'm going to give it a 30. I, I don't think it's very good. Don't feel the need to ever, ever go back and rewatch this. And I don't recommend, even if you were nostalgic about it, that you do. I think you should stick with your nostalgic thoughts about it and just take our word for it that you probably will just be weirded out by this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you could you could sit through it as an adult because I do think it is kind of smarter than your average kids movie. But then, I mean, you look at the movies today, it's like these shit have heart they're intelligent just as intelligent if not more so i suppose i I could see what roger ebert was talking about but exactly that's what i was about to say ebert was on to something and again i you know i'm kicking a dead kicking a dead horse here at this point like 
I do credit them for thinking differently because you look at all these other shitty spy kid movies that we have, not spy kids in general, but movies about kids being spies. They're all the fucking same. Yeah. Oh, this kid's got gadgets and this kid's, you know, crafty and the blundering villains. At least this one is trying to make you think a little bit, even if it's just so far out of fucking left field, none of it makes any sense. Agreed. In fact, I'd actually put this probably as the best kid spy movie, having not seen um, having not seen Harriet the Spy in a very long time. So I'd like to check that one out before. I was going to say, I think, yeah, we should, I think we should check out right. Harriet yeah. the Spy first. Um, it's better than that fucking bar Agent is, Cody Banks and Catch it, That Kid. Exactly. <laughs> and, but we do have to preface, the bar is set pretty fucking low yeah. so saying that it's the best of the kid spy genre isn't saying much because i i really cannot recommend this movie yeah and that's me not having seen spies in disguise i think that's one where will smith turns into a pigeon from last year right how's huh, that did you see that spies in oh, disguise? I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't see that no that? um <laughs> yeah i i remembered laughing at one frame of animation in that and like seeing the rest of the trailer and being like, okay, I don't need to see anymore. I just needed that one shot. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, spy kids. So before we get into what we're doing next week, anything you watched Zach over the week that you can recommend or not recommend? Yeah, I, I'll have two things. One to recommend one to not recommend, uh, Brandon. And I hope I'm not stealing this one from you. The not recommend, um, we talked about it. The new Will Smith, Rachel McAdams movie on Netflix. Uh, Will Smith? It? Not Will Smith. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we were just talking about Will, it. It's understandable. Will Ferrell. Yeah, the Will <laughs> Ferrell, Rachel McAdams movie. Uh, Eurovision. The song t- contest. Song the contest. Fi- the story of Fire Saga. Yeah, I don't even fucking know, man. That is the most boring movie I've seen in a long time. That movie sucks. It's not funny. I love Rachel McAdams to death. Love Rachel yeah. McAdams to death, um, but it's Will Ferrell trying to be funny, and it's just fucking not funny, man. It's boring. It's sad, time. man. It's sad. I haven't seen him do something good in so long. It's been a long time yeah. since I've seen a Will Ferrell movie that I've really enjoyed, and it's making me lose my faith in him a little bit. But Don't yeah. recommend that either. <laughs> yeah, that, that, you skip that movie. Uh, the thing I will recommend, if you're into it, um, not a lot of people are, but I know a lot of people who do love this eric andre's new stand-up um legalize everything it is about as eric andre as it gets man it's fucking weird he doesn't make any sense um it's very super weird and random i love that kind of shit he screams Um, almost the entire set yeah if you love the eric andre show you'll like this stand-up it's you know it's pretty much just him being fucking weird um so that's my recommend it's you know worth a watch i think it's that was funny. my first like real introduction to a lot of his like stand-up so i started watching the eric andre show after this, this yeah, one i just i you had never no, seen the eric andre no, show never, before never. This? i'd seen oh, like the memes God, and i'd dude. seen like a bits and pieces of his like sets from here and there like clips but no <laughs> and i've been laughing dude, my ass the off. Eric, it's so funny i'm gonna go ahead and recommend the eric andre show because that show while it was on was like how are people <laughs> fucking falling for this like they, they, he would bring in celebrities celebrities to do the and he would just fuck with them so much you got to read some of the behind the scenes shit that he does they do shit like to make them as uncomfortable as they can like they would put like rotten shit up in the air ducts to make them as uncomfortable as possible when they're sitting in the interview chair like just by making it smell and they'd like jack up the heat (laughs) They fuck with people so much on that show. I can't believe it was like Nathan for you. It was just like, how, are he, how is he getting away with this? And people haven't caught on yet. So 
That's another recommend. Oh, A- anything God. Eric Andre. I'm big Eric Andre fan. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know you had never seen no. that. I wish I had known that because when we were living close enough to each other, I would have absolutely forced you to watch that show. <laughs> yeah, with me. it's all on Hulu right now. So yeah, I've been perfect bumping my way to that. Also, checked out the two movies I want to recommend. One was uh, Just Mercy. I finally actually watched that. I think it's free everywhere for the remainder of the month, which ends now. So that's not helpful at all. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, uh, definitely a story that should be seen now more relevant than ever. And great performances all around. And then the one that no sure. one fucking saw from 2017 that I just watched was uh, Only the Brave, which was the story about the Granite Mountain hotshots with uh, Josh Brolin, your favorite actor, Miles Teller. But it's also got Jeff Bridges, Jennifer Conley, uh, Taylor Kitsch. Dude, I fucking really enjoyed this movie. No one saw it, and it's just about the firefighters oh. who, yeah, like fought the wildland fires and shit. It's so well done. But yeah, it made almost nothing at the in theaters, so uh, I didn't have much hopes at all. So maybe that was why I enjoyed it so much. But it's it's a damn good uh, true story. So check that out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, give it a look. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Speaking of true stories that are one hundred percent historically accurate. Uh, <laughs> oh, is it ever not? I cannot wait to get into the historical inaccuracies. Of this and just movie. in time for our country's Independence Day, right, Zach? <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely not a week late. Uh, we are doing this on time. <laughs> uh, it is another film directed by Roland Emmerich, uh, who also did Independence Day. So that's kind of a fun little trivia bit there. Yep, and it's also, uh, what, our first movie of a very unfortunate person who I wish wasn't in this movie. This will be his first on-camera appearance of, yeah, Mel Gibson in 2000's The Patriot. Dude. Because we did cover Chicken Run, right? Oh, that's right. We did watch Chicken Run. That's right. Yep. So I forgot about Chicken Run. Dude, this movie I was obsessed with when I was younger because there were two movies that really kind of established the violence genre for me uh the war genre russell crowe's gladiator and mel gibson's the patriot (laughs) one of my first violent oh my gosh our movies ever so and there's a specific scene that i can't wait to talk about in that movie but there's also a lot of holy fuck we need to talk about this going on in this movie i remember it is i've seen it recently We've got work ahead of us. There's some shit that needs to. There's some shit we need to go over. I haven't seen this in a while, but it is on Netflix currently. So if you want to check that out before next week's episode, feel free to do so. And yeah, tune in next week for a new episode. You can find all our episodes on nbd.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and you know the other places. Yep, iTunes, Brandon. Yeah, Apple Podcasts. That's that place, dude. I just went the full. You know, I just went the legit route. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I think that's it. You can also write us a email at nostalgiapod. Be damned pod at gmail.com. Nostalgia be damned wait, pod wait, wait. at gmail.com. I don't run that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, send us a request, please. We love to hear requests. This movie was a request, and we hate ourselves for it. Um, also, please, please, please write us a review. It really helps the show get out there. And of course, of course, share this with a friend. We're all quarantined. We all got shit to do. Uh, share us with people you think might enjoy it. Please. Fucking please, dude. Just do that Fucking one thing. Fucking please. Yeah. Maybe if we get enough people, we'll we'll start doing like exclusive content. It'll be fun. Who knows, dude? We yeah. could, we, We're coming up we on a hundred We can have a lot of fun episodes. with this. Yeah. And honestly, actually, Brandon... I don't know if you saw this, as of recording, 
this is exactly three years since we released our first episode, Space Jam. Oh, wow. No shit. You're right. Whew. Yeah. Three fucking years? Yeah, we took some long hiatuses. (laughs) That's right. I was going to say, if you add it all up, it's probably two years. We should be on episode, like... (laughs) 210. 210 or something like that. Yeah, we we are on 90. Uh, 90-something. But hey, we're on fire recently. We've been going at it, uh, you know. Yeah, we're pushing it. Yeah, we're going, so... Yeah. Thanks for all the support, everybody. We appreciate it, and we love you. Stay safe. Yeah, and don't watch Spy Kids. (laughs) Real spies, only smaller. Brought to you by Camel Cigarettes.